Collective Awakening podcast. Sharing truth and knowledge in this time of conscious awakening with Chris and Stephen. Hello friends and welcome to the Collective Awakening podcast. Chris and Stephen with you and sharing truth and knowledge with like-minded souls and we're so pleased uh, to be joined by Jeremy and Graham today who we met actually uh, last weekend it was at a men's gather event that they were doing a talk that we really enjoyed and resonated with so we thought what fantastic guests to get on this podcast and and share their knowledge and experience with yourselves so Jeremy Graham thank you so much for joining us for this episode pleasure to be here thank yes you. thanks thanks Chris thanks Stephen and I think a great place to start would be um, with with both of you, really. What has brought you to this this work you're doing at the moment um, to this point? What was that that moment, that turning point on your journey that's brought you to what you're doing now? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick off. I, I normally kick off and then Graham says something really clever and makes me look, you know, insignificant. But um I think it's important to start because people may not know that we're we're two of the five co-authors of the Red Pill Revolution book that we wrote um, just before or just at the beginning, thank you, of what we call Convid. And, you know, your audience might understand why we say that and others might be, you know, shocked and upset. Um, And um, we've actually, the Red Pill Food Revolution book is about to come out in October. And we, we were asked to the men's gathering which is what you chaps attended by a friend of ours who's the who's the owner of the farm, John, <clears throat> if we would come along. I mean, I joked when we opened up the talk that he'd asked 10 other interesting people and they all couldn't be asked. And so all he had left was us. But actually, John really wanted us to come and talk with, with you guys. And we, we didn't know what kind of audience we were going to get, you know, and whether we were just going to piss everyone off. But it was so successful. You know, it seemed everyone wanted us back the second day and we came back and did a Q&A. And it was it was just wonderful because the the varied, varied questions of, you know, from geopolitical to, to royal family to health to, you know, just everything and every angle you can imagine. Uh, and it was a very healthy exchange of conversation and comment. And, and I guess in answer to your question, that's why I started there. Because, you know, I'm I'm 54 years old and I, uh, in my 20s, I was representing Great Britain uh, as a canoeist uh, and I knew nothing about nothing and thought I knew everything about everything. I was a, a, a trained carpenter and joiner working for a family business and um, uh, coming up to my Olympic year, and I will keep this very short, uh, but coming up to my Olympic year, the year I've been training for since I was eight, I hurt <clears throat> my back very badly. And um, went to see an osteopath who was connected to the squad. Now, I didn't know what an osteopath was at that point. And what I did know is I've never liked doctors. I've just never felt comfortable in a hospital or a GP's clinic. Just, you know, I felt the same in a church, actually. I don't feel comfortable in a church. And that's all I knew, right? So I went off to this osteopath, uh, this portly guy, looked more like a traditional English butcher, you know, rosy cheeks and, and very overweight. And it was sort of a a, um, a, a factory-like clinic where he had lots of trainees and qualified people and, you know, beds just separated by um, uh, curtains rather than any privacy. Before I knew it, I'm stripped down to my boxer shorts, 
<clears throat> laying on a couch with an East German woman with more muscles and facial hair than me, uh, you know, massaging me to tears, you know, but because I'm English and you know the story, you know, we don't complain. We just write a very considered letter the next day. But there I am laying there thinking, honestly, what the hell am I doing here? I mean, no one's explained anything. And then Ron Johnson comes back, the osteopath, puts me in what I thought was a pseudo-sexual position, no explanation, and crack, and uh, crack my back. And um, th the pain was dramatically different. It got, you know, released, you know, 80%, 90% better. And that, for me, that was the moment. I was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, all I've ever known is doctors, painkillers, and, you know, don't go into a hospital if you're going to avoid it. And um, <clears throat> here I am, just, just I couldn't walk. And now I'm just like, it's amazing. And I, I've said, I've got to do this. So cut along very, uh, a, a very long story, very short. I managed to get myself on uh, the, the, um, the British College of Osteopathy, which is meant to be the best in the <clears throat> country, sort of taught myself on the course at the time. And after a year, I found myself absolutely bored out of my brains, uh, and, but sitting next to a northerner. Well, I'm from the south, and you don't really speak to northerners if you're from the, down the south. It seems to be, you know, we take our, our passport if we go north of the M25, right? Um, but this guy's playing talking, and he turned to me and said, it's shit, isn't it? And I was like, oh, my God. He, he sees it too. And he introduced me to his uh, father, who was a very famous osteopath uh, teacher, Harry Hawes who was 76 at the time doing a course up in Durham. And off we went up north, where I was absolutely terrified, up north to this um, priest college where they were running it, full of huge paintings of priests and bishops with nervous choir boys. Didn't understand that at the time, but I do now. And uh, I met Harry Hawes, and, and, and I just knew I'd met a true genius or a true healer. Not, none of those terms he would have accepted or been comfortable but he was, and he became my first mentor. And this is pre-internet. <clears throat> and so while being mentored by him to the extent that he took me to one side one day and said, you've got it, which was uh, meaning I had a gift and a, and, a, and a way, a natural way to it, shall we say. And I, I felt it, but it was very intimidating for him to say it. But it, it, this is pre-internet. He was teaching me and teaching me privately that he would go into um, foundations like the, the Arthritis Foundation, the MS, whatever it is, whatever charity, and explain to them that he could help significantly, if not completely, in some cases, and they would, they would show him the door. And he was showing me very early on, so I'm like mid-20s, that that system was not structured to find cures. It was structured to keep not very talented people in money, and actually to suppress anything of any value because medicine was a business. Now, that's the first time I'd heard that. <clears throat> By the time I came out of osteopathy, qualified as an osteopath, um, I already wanted to know how to heal um, it, the most serious co of conditions. It just sparked a flame in me, you know? And, and so I was fortunate that I was guided to uh, find Barbara Wren, uh, who, who some of your listeners may or may not have heard of uh, she'd be in her 80s now um and i i actually met her at a conference it was actually the end of an osteopathic conference and and i was hung over from the night before i had a fabulous night of 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 uh, retoxing and and it was absolutely fantastic and i and i didn't know how a woman the next day could possibly speak <clears throat> for two hours on water so i wasn't too bothered and i rocked in late looking hung over you know, double doors in a hotel. And it was like a spaghetti Western when the 
the doors swing open and the music stops and everyone looks at you. And Barbara looked at me and I skulked to a seat and sat down. And then she started speaking. And within 15 minutes, my floor, my, my jaw was on the floor. I'd never heard anybody describe dis-ease, which is she deliberately breaks the words as I do now, dis-ease, not ease, into such a understandable way that I'd never heard. And so I, I went up with, to her at the end of that, all cocky, cocky-eyed and sure that she was going to be very impressed with me, and asked her if she'd teach me. And she said, no. <laughs> she said, go away and drink two liters of water a day or four pints of water and call me in eight weeks, which is very wise of her because she didn't want to waste the time with someone that isn't even going to. So I did, and I started to feel very different. And another long story short, I end up being mentored by her, moving to Devon, teaching at her college. And for me, it was like remembering. Uh, and as I came out of that, I was just, this is me for the rest of my life. I've got to, you know, help people and show the world thinking naively to some extent that actually, you know, that it would be welcomed. And the more I learn and the more, I, but no, what actually happens is the more you, for the rest of my career, I've been researching, <clears throat> the more you find the secrets, the, the reasons people get ill, how to get them well the more isolated I became and the more professionally isolated I became and the more names I got called, but the more successful I became, success in the sense of getting people well. And so within all of that, um, you go through a very um, dark period that you think, you know, what the hell am I doing? No one's really, you know, you're, you're frightened that you're going to, and many of the, my mentors that uh, I learned from books were put in prison for the for the crime of healing people. And, you know, there's many, many years I thought, why don't you just shut the fuck up and just go and do something else, you know, because like you, literally I'm living in risk, 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 risk. But then 9-11 happened and I didn't know it at the time or somewhere in that mix, but something went off in me that this isn't right. Something's not right here. I didn't see it at the time. And then a few years later on, um, I came across a book um, with a woman that's became a friend of mine, Mary Elizabeth Croft, about the financial system was a complete scam. And I read it and I was just like, I was just like, no, that's, that cannot be, you know, this cannot be true because someone else would know about it. And that was it. That was the trigger, the domino, whatever you want to call it. When I started to realize that the financial system was the biggest scam on the earth. Uh, and then everything else kind of started to happen. And I started to look into 9-11, la, 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 la. All the names of, you know, uh, uh, Red David Icke and people like that. And, you know, just just absolutely quite a dark place until you came out because there was no hope for humanity in those years that I was looking at it. And then you come out the other side and you start to realize, actually, no, this is a fantastic time to be alive. Because if I now know this and into my own intellectual investigation are convinced of at least these things such as buildings don't just fall into own footprint and so on and so forth other people can and you know going forward <clears throat> i met up with um graham Velasco, and ben hunt and and also my good friend uh john gusty and we started something at the time called the human unleashed and we realized when we're, we're having trouble explaining to we can't even begin to explain to people where they've gone wrong if you don't talk about corrupt government financial system fraud legal isn't lawful and all of these things because they ask questions like well how come my doctor 
doesn't know this. And how if you're so good, why aren't you on TV? And, you know, la, 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 la. And so, you know, we got together. And because we couldn't really answer everyone's questions, we said, hey, let's write a book. So we can go, look, here's the foundations. Now we can start talk about the other stuff. And Graham's um, journey here, which he can tell you, was, was kind of like polar opposites to mine. And yet we meet, as does Graham Atkinson, the red pill pharmacist, and, you know, Bill's a musician and Ben was a marketer. We kind of all met at the same point, which is, which is what I think is happening in humanity right now from very different life experiences and religion and philosophies. But Graham, why don't you share how we came together and your journey? Well, thank you for leaving me five minutes to do that. Um. Yeah, but you you always say something brilliant and everyone just wants to talk um, to you. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we're recording this on 9-11 um, or 11-9 in the UK. And I also have a sort of there is a nine eleven link in 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 my story really. Um, I I had nothing to do with health at all. Um, I uh, I grew up in Lancaster, went to school, did well at school, had a good memory, was taught to question things, old fashioned teaching style, um, sort of logos type stuff, and. Um, Ended up doing sort of uh, off to university to do engineering. Um, did that for a short while. Didn't like it. Dropped out. Moved to London. Got a job in a, a stockbroker's. I didn't have the first idea what I was doing, uh, but winged it through the interview. Got the job and uh, great. You know, it was it was fine. It worked for me. It was. Uh, I'm good at sort of taking in lots of information uh, i don't get stressed easily and so it was a perfect working environment for me and i could count to 10 so that was all you needed to do um so i worked within that for several years um starting in the late 80s so i've now been doing it let's say 10 years and if i've been doing something for 10 years i would like to think that i should have a reasonable grasp of it in 10 years. Um, and I began to realize that the stock market, I, I was no better at predicting the movements in the stock market than tossing a coin. And that sort of irked me. I was like, you know, I surely should be able to perform better than just a random coin, cost, uh, coin toss. And so I began to look into, this was in the late 90s, frustrated at that i was like there must be something that i'm missing here uh because you know i'm not a stupid guy i should be able to figure it out why can i not perform better um and then i discovered the root of the financial system had been excavated uh, in the early part of the 20th century when money was disconnected from real money in terms of gold and silver so the 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 foundation or the anchor of the financial system was fraudulently removed and we've been running on monopoly money ever since and so you can look at as many company balance sheets as you want and you can look at interest rate forecasts and you look you can look at expected returns but if someone else is in charge of creating money out of thin air that they can then direct to a certain sector or to a certain uh, business or to a certain country 
all your work looking at balance sheets and doing analysis is worth very little because the un underlying control uh you you have a variable in your system that you haven't taken into account and that's the value of the money um and supposedly that's supposed to be done by inflation etc cetera, etc cetera, but it just wasn't and so i i realized that the the lack of a linkage to to a real basis for the currency was a massive massive problem that nobody understood none of my colleagues had learned i mean i i didn't st i studied engineering a lot of my colleagues that i worked with studied finance you know they did proper serious degrees in finance and i began learning about gold and the historical role of money and how it all works and they i realized that they hadn't been taught that they'd been through you know university degrees in finance and they had no clue what anything they, they'd heard of gold and they considered it a relic that's all they knew um and so i realized that this was absolutely key and then i, that I then realized that information about gold was very tightly controlled it wasn't discussed it wasn't really promoted um and it was kind of like semi-hidden and so the people that talk on gold uh tended to be old men who wrote books or wrote blogs in the very early days of the internet in the in the in the 90s uh the late 90s and so I began following all these guys and understanding what was going on. And they would, in turn, they might have guests on the radio show where they generally spoke about gold, but they'd start to talk about other things, which might include, you know, the uh, the food industry. They might talk about healthcare. They might talk about other issues, some spiritual stuff, some some mad, crazy stuff as well. And so I kind of started to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole in that direction. Um, and then... I and, and then 9-11 happened in 2001 and I was busy 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 working because it occurred during the day the stock market was open and for me it was it was a shocking event but it was a news event that I had to deal with as part of my job because the prices of things that I was buying and selling were going up and down and you know, it was all going crazy so I didn't really take it in apart from it's an event like a bomb's gone off or, or something's happened you know and it wasn't until a while afterwards that I, I began to look into it, maybe two years later, early 2003. Um, and that's what really woke me up. That's when the dots started to connect properly. And I realized that, you know, the people who control the finances also control uh, the news, the media, the militaries of the world. And they do these kind of things. Then you get into the whole, whether it was a, a ritual yeah, and you can go into some, as you know, I'm sure you can go into some very, very dark, deep rabbit holes. And then you touch on the issue of, you know, what, how, how are people controlled? Uh, what dark secrets, what blackmail type material is required to get people to do these kinds of acts and to keep quiet about them? And that's a whole horrible underbelly that, you know, most people don't want to even entertain the idea but ultimately you have to so i did that that sort of work in the early 2000s um and then um my daughter was born and i began to focus more on my own health because i figured that as a father i should probably one of the main things i should do is try and stay alive yeah because i now have a child that i'm responsible for i think that's quite normal when you're in when you become a father or a mother um, and so I 
focus my attention towards understanding health. And I, I quickly found that what we have been told is inaccurate and superficial. Um, and it's definitely not about food and exercise. And you definitely cannot rely on the mainstream sources of, of health information. Uh, I then came across a very interesting chap in the, in the States called Dr. Jack Cruz, who's a sort of very high ranked neurosurgeon who had been unable to fix his own obesity. Um, he was hugely obese, unable to work because he'd injured his knee, unable to get an operation because he was too obese. And he followed the mainstream medical advice of his colleagues to do more and eat less and he gained weight. And so he was on his own journey trying to discover how our bodies work he knew very well how the brain worked but he didn't fully understand how the body worked and he realized quite quickly that yeah the medical system the, the training that he'd had at medical school was to a large degree wrong and so this yeah when you start to have these type of conversations you're like yeah there's so many things we've been told that are absolutely wrong from the very beginning and it's been going on for decades if not longer um, and so I quite quickly began to lose interest in my day job and I became absolutely fascinated with a better understanding of human health. And because I love complex systems, I love analyzing things with lots of moving parts. And then what I like even more is simplifying that understanding and explaining it to someone else. And then having them go, ah, now I see. So I get a great deal of enjoyment out of, of <coughs> explaining complexities in a simple and understandable way. And so I quite quickly realized that I didn't have the passion for the financial world anymore because I felt it was just based on a fraud and I was working within a casino. Um, but neither did I have anywhere to go in the healthcare sector or the wellness sector um and so i bumbled around for a few years continuing to work and being miserable and then in the end i just decided i was just going to pack it in and something would uh, you know the universe would provide for me i didn't really think that in those terms but i just decided that healthcare has to change because it's going down a, a very very deep dead end um and it's going to change from the ground up and i felt that i could be useful somewhere in the in in the changeover and then a couple of years later i bumped into phil and online phil escott jeremy and then ben and then john gusty we set up this health wellness online membership site everyone loved it uh everybody who signed up enjoyed it thought it was very very good information very valuable very helpful but we couldn't grow the membership. It was it was just so hard to promote it um, because although most people in the Western world are sick, obese, mental illness, infertile, um, you, know, you name it, there's, there's a bazillion things wrong with people in terms of chronic disease. And they're all eminently fixable, but not via the existing structure and so there's all these people who think that their doctor's trying to help them by giving them prescriptions and they're relatively satisfied with that there's a whole host of other people who haven't yet 
being given a diagnosis, but they're on the trajectory that they're going to get diabetes, they're going to get this. That, you know, you can see it's going to happen, and it's in, into the millions, hundreds of millions of people worldwide. Um, and so we we decided we would write the Red Pill Revolution as as an introduction for people. It 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 doesn't it does talk about health within the book to a degree, but it's really to sort of allow people to feel confident enough to question what they've been told in every aspect of their life, including health and nutrition and um, exercise and, and all those things, so that then they then realise that they're going to have to take responsibility for their own health because the yeah. system that we've allowed to emerge as the only system does not have the patient's best interest at heart at all. No. Because, no. yeah, a, a well person is not profitable for a sick care industry. Um, and so that's kind of where we are today. Um, and so I'm, I'm very, very happy with the way things have turned out because I, I feel that I'm, I'm my, my understanding and history allows me to contribute different things to this discussion. And it, it's, it's interesting that Jeremy came about it by being within the, the, the healing arts and then bumping up against the financial thing. And, and for him, the financial fraud was when it fell into, into place. And mine was kind of the other way around. So we fit well together and it's, it's very, very interesting what's going on. And the COVID thing has been fantastically helpful. It's a huge <laughs> Because it, if this... It's the virus that keeps giving yeah, if this hasn't woken you up and made you realise that the the healthcare sector is, in the most part, corrupt and inept, um, and it's controlled globally as a weapon against the people, then I don't know what is going to make you wake you up. Wake you up. Mm, that's, I that's mean, really, um, that's why we included it in the book. We included a, a chapter. We, we'd finished the book. Before COVID, we, it was all done and dusted, and it was just about to go off to the to the um, uh, editors. And then COVID happened, and so we we just had to use put a chapter in on COVID because it was a perfect example of everything that we speak about in the book. What were you? Yeah, I just want to jump on. I just want to jump on what Graham said because in, you know there could be someone out there um, that becomes deeply offended at what Graham just said at the tail end there of COVID because they might go, well, my dad uh, died of COVID or my auntie died of COVID or my brother died of COVID or, <clears throat> or, or something like that. And you could understand how they might get very angry and, and dismissal and what have you. And, and it's a prime example of why we wrote the book. Because uh, unless people start to understand how the system is set up to work, which essentially is repetition. You know, so if you if you want to sell a lie, repeat it. <clears throat> just keep repeating it. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. I've just barbecued a chicken for my wife, and it's got all this smoke in me. But anyway, you know. So so take nine eleven. You know, from 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 the get go, all anyone heard was terrorist, 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 terrorist. That's yeah. all you heard over and over and over and over. It didn't give you any space to go. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, let's just slow down and just start looking critically at the evidence and, you know, do passports that actually float down unburnt and, you know, you know, start asking critical questions because the, the runaway train of 
this is the story and the, and the atmosphere around it is don't you dare question anything because if you that's the atmosphere that happened in covid if you dare to ask a question then you're one of them <clears throat> whatever one of them is at that time now when covid came along we uh, in, you know i suggested to the guys that this is not uh, another you know zika or ebola this is it this is them making a move and we decided to do a a, a broadcast on convid turned out to be 28 broadcast some of the best work we've done we, we were time stamped historically i would say ahead of almost anyone in the world um and and our audience wrote to us how we saved their lives in many cases from going insane but essentially one of the things that we said from the get-go is there is no virus um <clears throat> there is no actually in fact they've never found any virus and that comes a shock to many people because they go here's the study but if you read the study and you understand the language, all viruses uh, have been basically formulated in a computer. And this one was no different. And if you then go to the next step, so no virus has actually been isolated, put into somebody else, and they get sick with the symptoms that they, from, uh, uh, that they took the virus from the from the. Uh, or whoever was ill, and then they repeat it again. They get ill. There's a proof that that virus is a pathogen, makes you sick with these symptoms. You take it again, makes them sick again. Boom, Bob's your auntie. Well, certainly Bob's your auntie nowadays, right? But anyway, um, so we, we, we put that across. And number two was the PCR is not a test. You know, and Karis Mullins made it very clear, who conveniently died during COVID, but he made it very, very clear, the Nobel Prize inventor, that the PCR was not a test. It was not capable of being a test, and yet it was being used as a test. Uh, and then we went on to show all the skullduggery of how they manipulate cycles. The more cycles you do, eventually you're going to get a ping. It's a positive. And that was meant to mean it's a positive COVID. No, absolute science fiction. In fact, it's criminal science. It's not even science. And if you start from there, if we offended or, Gar or Gareth, uh, sorry, Graham offended anybody. If you start there and you get to my mum died of or my, you know, la, 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 you're already, it's very difficult for you to go back, accept that information and go, well, then what did they die of or what they were sick? And, and we need to get back into that realm of conversation of what actually was making people sick and actually what was killing them, which throughout history has been the treatment. And it certainly was the treatment in most of the cases, you know. So I just wanted to put that forward in case someone listening isn't where we're at. at this, uh, yeah, and I, I think you made a, a, an important point there, and, and it's something you said within that about having the conversation, which seems something that's been really shut down, especially during that era of not being able to have an open conversation and question things. And almost like you're insane, you're mad. Well, no, it's quite normal. This is quite normal to question things. What's going on? What's it about? What's what's in you know what's in this vaccine? What's that about? And 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 trailing back, it seems uh, we've heard this story, and myself and ex, uh, Stephen have experienced it. When we have these breakthrough moments, like you talked about 9/11, that it's almost like we have to go through this fire, this realization this quite dark period or oh crap everything that i thought was was here trying to help me and trying to help me progress in my life and be happy is not it's actually quite the opposite and it's it's 
tough pill, excuse the, the pun, <laughs> to swallow. Um, you know, but what comes of that, which you both mentioned, is the liberation. And, and yeah, that, to I, me, feels great. Yeah, and see, the thing is, you see, um, uh, evil is the word live backwards. And before yeah. we can describe normal, let alone the new normal, we've got to go back to what's natural, because what's natural is arguably normal. And uh, we've done this in quite quite extensively in the new book the red pill food revolution with the subtext they've crossed the line and we'll get to that maybe a little bit later on but if you look critically at how we were and where we are now everything's being turned upside down now when everything's being turned upside down from from where it was um there's a hand at play and so it, it, people, what people need to understand when they critically look at these things is you've been at war your entire life. You just didn't know it. Third World War has been raging since the Second World War. The Third World War is, is a war of lies. It's what JFK, uh, JFK talked about in his uh, secret society speech before he was assassinated, that, that, that the whole corporate world, government, education, everything, there's many more people that have spoken about it. But JFK was very famous for his speech, has been infiltrated. And therefore, uh, one of the acts of war is educate your enemy's children. And so if you're, if you're thinking in generations, which is not how we really think, if you want to affect a, a change, do it over two, three generations, because the third generation doesn't know what was going on two, three generations ago. And so now it becomes normal. Or what, what the younger generation are living in is absolutely abnormal. Okay, so yeah, we, we have to start having these conversations of what's natural and what's normal and what certainly isn't natural and not normal. And the whole what happened with Convid was, which is what we talked about, is the real thing was do not question authority and do not question the new religion science. Not that there's any science going on, but don't you dare question it. And who the fuck are you? You know, what's your what, well, I have a brain. And I therefore am able to look at information and think and read and talk and discuss, but you weren't allowed. Now that that is what woke a lot of people up, I think. I think what's really powerful in all this and something that I've been I felt really, really strong and something we try to uh, tell people that we encounter in our journey is we all have a right to say no you know all this um you know we don't need to fight we are free we have a right to say no and i think that's what's pissed a lot of people off unfortunately the powers to be you can't question me but very simple i mean me and chris have, have felt it from the very beginning you know nobody came along and said, Stephen, you have to believe this, you have to believe, I use my own common sense, which I think that's what is blatantly obvious, it was a lie. And and I said to Chris, I said, I, I'm saying no to it in a lot. And, it, and unfortunately, I probably, you both probably heard a lot of stories, a lot of families split up. I know it caused a massive rupture in my relationship, massive. And um, Chris was quite lucky with his parents, but not as much perhaps with his brother. And it's just so scary seeing the loved ones. I mean, my partner was in, in a care home industry and no sign of COVID in the home all that time when COVID was apparently rife. 
two weeks after having the COVID jab, 90% of the residents have had COVID. And the first thing the paramedic did when they turned up when one of the ladies died was what vaccinations did she have? And I think that was the turning point of, of him waking up saying, hang on here. Something seems very dodgy. And last point, I, I was begging for more lockdowns. I was begging more to happen because it was waking people up. It was shocking people. And we need that sometimes, don't we? We need something to happen to really shake people and to really say, hang on here. And, and I think that's so powerful. I think you mentioned it, Graham, is... is we need people to become more aware. We need people to question, question what you're seeing. Just because they're a doctor doesn't make them the right. <laughs> you know, for years, I remember my grandparents, they worshipped doctors. They were the next thing since sliced bread. And actually, we're learning very quickly. We have a right to question anybody. You know, I think so there's a lot changing, isn't there? Well, that, that's right. I mean, the the, the, the whole thing was was very very cleverly orchestrated and choreographed um and it was it was clearly planned many many years in advance and it was a global attack it was a massive move on the part of i mean people say who is it who's in charge it doesn't matter if it's orchestrated there's someone orchestrating it and so that's the someone that we're talking about. I don't have to name them. I don't care what color their skin is, I, whether they don't even have skin. I don't know who they are. They uh, Are they a, a real-world force? Are they an off-world intelligence? I don't know. They're not human, as far as I can figure out. They're not uh, a pleasant human that you would want to be around. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're passionate about this because we were somewhat at the coal front and, and taking some flack, of course. Uh, but, you know, most people listening, I think your audience would have seen system doctors, system scientists being cancelled and um, told to shut up and losing their jobs for just, again, sharing real science. That The only reason they wear masks, for example, in surgery is, is, is to stop splatter coming up into their face or something going to them. It's not or them sneezing into an open wound. These masks are the equivalent of a, a chain mail fence or a, trying to stop a mosquito if you're going to accept that a virus exists. But the, all of that factual stuff was completely trodden on. Just starting there should be a red flag for everyone in every country because it's factual. And yet it's no, right? We have never behaved in this way in any alleged pandemic before well around about 1918 they might have done they tried it on again but pretty much never behaved in this way and isolate normally you would isolate someone that's sick uh, from from other healthier people not isolate healthy people from healthy people you know so you <laughs> go on and on and on and go sorry absolutely jeremy i'm agreeing with what you say right so so but this is why it is so important that people get fundamentally educated. Now, it, it said that if you have 100 people, and I think a study or an experiment was done, but if you had 100 people standing in front of a stage and one by one, they, they and you're last to go on, one by one they went up there and the guy's holding a red balloon and go, what color is the balloon? And they go, blue. 
right? First one, you go, no, 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 no. this one was red, right? Second one goes up, it's blue, right? And you, by the time you get to like 10, you'll be like, is it? You know, most people will be like, oh my God, maybe I'm, is it? You know, once you get 99 people up there, it would take a very strong human being to stand up there in front of everyone that's gone, it's blue, and go, it's a red balloon. Well, that's what the media and social media and TV did. So, no, of course, you're strange from your brother, and we had absolutely fracturing of families and husbands and wives. We know of a, um, a, a husband and wife. One was a GP and a surgeon, and they their relationship was fractured. The GP even stood up to be a COVID doctor and sat in hospitals, and no one's there, while the TV is telling you that the break at breaking point, and there's no one there it fractured her relationship um her husband who was a surgeon um uh, uh, was very critical you know and, and should be in the know took two vaccinations and she found him dead on the bathroom floor you know we've got so many stories of graham atkinson thought that the, the red pill pharmacist was a uh, government level advisor at times from pharmaceutical he was as a system man as you could get when the, when the pandemic came he thought this is it i might die i'm going to lose people and very quickly into it and he was doing all the things he even set up a vaccination station he was when this day he's a proper data man a proper science he went this data is not matching what the tv government radio is saying and so he went to his large practice of doctors expecting them to be doctors and scientists and they completely intellectually crucified him so much so that effectively he got sacked and booted out, foregoing this data is real, this isn't. So that only occurred because of media repetition and people haven't been trained how to think and question. Yeah, and I, I think what's, uh, what's also struck me, and I'm sure many other people who are listening, is over the years since the, the, the lockdown and the vaccinations, the amount of uh, young people that are dying and these people are athletes a lot of them healthy people young healthy people that are just um dropping dead and dying and in in multiple countries and a 19 year old them... dropped dead yesterday so some guy yeah. from liverpool you may have know of him that has a fascination with vacuum cleaners and has been on good morning britain several times and what have you dropped dead at 19 suddenly as you do yeah, at 19 that... i mean i thought uh I mean that that is waking people up to some degree, but of course the as we all remember during during 2020, if you put on the TV, they had a news ticker tape running across the bottom of the screen with number of COVID deaths today, yeah. you know, hundred and whatever, hundred seventy five, whatever the hell it was. Every hour that was updated. Now in 2023, we have an additional 200 people per day dying in the UK over and above the average. It's a huge number. The excess deaths in every age category are off the charts. The statisticians don't have numbers big enough to explain how much of a deviation this is from the norm. Yet yeah. there's not a dicky bird on the TV or in the newspapers. There's ambulances constantly flying around yeah. everyone knows someone who's had a problem a heart problem or a turbo cancer or whatever the hell it is but so you've got hearsay which is fine 
but you look at the, the i saw some data the other day which has come out of the the ons in the uk the office of national statistics and it's data which is um stratified by vaccination status and age and it's all cause mortality so there's no bullshit with did they have a covid diagnosis or whatever bollocks right it's simple raw data people dying how old were they did they have a vaccine did they have two vaccines or three vaccines and it's absolutely undeniable that it is young vaccinated people are dying and they are creating an enormous death toll it's not even remotely questionable nobody could question it that's the reason the data is not on the news because it's just the the absolute death knell for their scam completely yeah. i remember at the time and, and discussing this with friends as the like you said the numbers were going up on the tv i didn't know anybody who supposedly had covid or any no. symptoms and i was oh, talking to I mean, no. until the vaccinations come along I didn't know anybody, and I was discussing it with my dad at the time, I remember, and he said, if the numbers are so vast, why are we not... Everybody would know somebody who had but it. You know, you know yeah. what else was happening? You know what else was happening a lot? I was doing a lot of... Uh, we do a lot of uh, readings, mediumship, and the amount of uh, clients I was speaking to... So I'm hearing from families. There was a lady I did a reading for, and her mum died. She was an ex-ambulance driver, she died of cancer and they put down on the death certificate COVID and they had to fight tooth and nail to say yeah. she did not die of uh, COVID. She died of cancer and the doctors were having none of it. So yeah, there that was, was a lot of that, that going on. That was very, very common. We heard lots of stories. I know personally several people where that happened. That I mean, that... We all now know, I mean, we knew at the time and we were trying to explain to people that this is what was going on. It, every year, people get, they, they get symptoms. of a, It's a seasonal detox. It's driven by an accumulation of toxins in your body. Some people accumulate more toxins than others. Some people ingest more toxins or they're exposed to chemicals or stuff that's sprayed in the air or whatever it happens to be. And your body has ways of getting rid of them. And generally, if you're uh, if you're leading a healthy lifestyle and you're sleeping well and you're getting lots of sunshine and you're you're drinking good water and all these things, you won't have an issue. You may not even notice that you're having a detox. And then every now and again, if you've accumulated rather a lot of, uh, of toxins over the years, you will have what we call a flu, which is just a series of detox symptoms, and you feel like crap for a few days and your body gets rid of everything, and then you're good to go. And that, if that happens in an old, frail person, their body tries to get rid of the toxins one last time, and sometimes they, they literally don't have the, uh, the integrity of, of, of bodily systems that can cope with one big detox, and that takes them out. End of their life. So it goes down on the, the death certificate as flu or pneumonia, because they probably had some mucus going on, which is a detox symptom. So what we've been led to believe is a contagious disease, the flu. It's simply a seasonal detox. And so what these crooks did was they hijacked 
a perfectly natural seasonal detox and they spent many years branding it as the flu uh, and then they rebranded it as something that sounded terribly dangerous COVID-19 but all it was was it was in winter in the northern hemisphere people have detoxes some people don't make it they die and that's that's what goes on every year uh, and then they created a fraudulent test for it so that they could then technically diagnose it and they encouraged doctors to put it we know that doctors were encouraged to put covid if there was any signs of anyone having a cough or or a positive test um they put covid on this because they needed they needed the numbers to create the the fear and panic and as you said i i, I remember very clearly um men myself and many other people around here were ill with a seasonal detox in december 2019 so come yeah. March, I agree with you, nobody was ill. People were like, oh, I had whatever that was. I had that in December. Yeah, I was we, we talked about week. that. Absolutely. I remember that. Yeah. But it's a, it's all – And but here is, what, again, why we could keep going back to the book that we wrote. Because most people still believe that you can catch the flu or catch a cold. And you can't, you know. If you are with someone, if you live in the same area, you have approximately the same lifestyle as another person, then the, the, the earth and the universe sends you signals based on the light and the temperature um, to, to, to let you know that it's now beyond midwinter. We're moving into spring. It's time for some spring cleaning in your body. Let's trigger a detox. So these signals are being received by all of us. And if one person's particularly sensitive to signals, they go into a detox first. And if you're around that person, you get a kind of, whether it's uh, some sort of cellular vibration that takes place between the two, that, that your body goes, oh, should I be doing a detox as well? It kind of gets the vibrational signal from the other and goes, well, oh, yeah, 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 it's true, actually. It's uh, coming into the uh, the... The, the equinox it's probably a good time to be having a, a a spring clean and so you get the flu as well so the idea is that it's transmitted but we know we've known for over 100 years they tried to they've tried to infect people with you know they've taken people with the with the flu in the, in 1918 and tried to infect hundreds of people they were all prisoners unfortunately and then they they got in uh yeah stuff down their nose they had to drink sort of sputum from other people who were dying of the flu and they couldn't infect anybody. So it's, it's never been shown to be transmissible. And we've known that for 100 years. But they, the, the people in charge find it very useful that we have a bogeyman that we can be afraid of. And we believe it's uh, transmissible. But it isn't. Of course, of course, Graham's talking complete nonsense because everybody knows there's a flu season and a virus is somewhere, maybe the Caribbean, relaxing uh and then it goes fuck me it's nearly september i should be working my way to england <laughs> by now and 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 as always they seem to know what virus is coming so that they have their next batch of um profit making i mean medicine vaccines ready uh and they're just brilliant it, you know even though those that have those um so-called vaccinations uh tend to get the flu funny enough 
uh, and they get the flu quite badly. Uh, it's very common. You know, I'm sure you hear it uh, and uh, so frequently. It, it, uh, interestingly, my... if you once you understand the um, the natural detox cycles of the body, you then realise that there is no such thing as the flu. Therefore, there can never ever be a need for a flu vaccine. But if you say that, then you've just written off hundreds of billions of dollars of potential profit some people so that's why right. no one says okay. exactly and, and i want to add to that because some people might be going oh he's really bollocks now right but if, if there's women listening and and certainly we've found that the, the women seem to be the greater part of our audience and membership they seem to be far more active in working this stuff out uh, and seeking more truth but women will know and if you've lived in a house of women um that they tend to have their periods all at the same time they tend to the term is come on at the same time uh, certainly women will know this and in the uh, villages of old they used to uh, uh use harmonics and drums to bring all the women on into their period at exactly the same time so these signals that graham's talking about with mm. women for example it's very much to do with the moon. And in fact, they don't have a menstrual cycle. They have a moon cycle. Men's is German for moon. And they're, if they're healthy, and very, very few women are, whether they know it or not, but one of the signs that they are healthy is they're meant to be ovulating on the full moon. <clears throat> and if they don't become pregnant, they're meant to moonstruate or menstruate on the new moon. And it completes a 28, 29 cycle, which is what the moon used to be. It is, sorry. 28, 29 day cycle. We used to have 13 moons. And that's how we used to conduct our lives with these sort of signals. So the moon, we know the moon affects us. Police, ambulance drivers, emergency services know full moons are full of suicides, full of violence, and not just violence, yeah. really horrific violence. So they know where the word lunatic, Latin for moon is luna, lunatic came from, werewolf, this sort of uh, myths and things. So we know these things affects the tides. And is it is it beyond the scope of a normal human being that other planets, that where the sun is, other planets in alignment, the moon, uh, could have an effect on the body to cause its water to move more and discharge toxins? Because we're living, you know, my main sentence is you're not sick, you're tox hyphen sick, toxic, because we are unbelievably poisoned and i'm not just talking at chemical and heavy metal level you know uh, mental emotional i mean we're, we're literally believing nonsense right and so all of that has the ability to come out and when you under you know graham very graciously called that i was in the healing arts it is an art it's the art of medicine not the practice of it and there's timings of the chinese know this the indians knew this when certain it's advantageous to do certain things at certain times and not at others. So when you start bringing this kind of conversation and how you look at things, some light bulbs can go off. And then when you start attaching, this is why they're not teaching it. Why? Because their job is to make sick people, right? Because this industry, which is the biggest industry on the planet, the pharmaceutical industry, I just drop the P and call it what it is, needs more customers. Our job which is to start to teach the word doctor originally mean teacher start teaching you how we were meant to function, what you're meant to be doing so that we don't make new customers. 
All right, makes sense, right? Yeah. So how, Jeremy? Yeah, just, can I just, just sorry, sorry, just one very quickly because we're on this subject. Um, it's a very big passion of mine uh, on the detox side. So how important is it then? You know, if we try to teach people, we're trying to inspire people, we're trying to empower people. Uh, is would you recommend people? take an active approach of detoxing their body using uh, fasting um, herbal medicine and things like that once or twice a year and detoxing the body and preparing detoxing the mucus and preparing the body for things like the winter so that because our big thing at the purple mountain some a lot of the big work we do is prevention rather than the cure looking at preventative don't wait to be sick take every opportunity to to look after yourself to heal yourself so how important is the detox side do you i mean it seems to have been brought up by graham there and i think it's quite relevant a big thing coming up about fasting and detox well look pe people write to my clients are all over the world and they write to me every day with you know what's the remedy for this and what's the whatever for this syndrome and the answer is always the same knowledge and so we've got mm. to start with the foundational knowledge. And, and, it, and if people go away with anything today, you know, let it be you're not sick, you're toxic. And, and just reframing that. So when I have people come to me and they've got this labeled, you know, this labeled disease or this labeled syndrome or this level, whatever it is, we take a case history because I was taught your body doesn't know how to work against you. You know, it, it, you can see this when you cut or graze yourself, even if you're a complete ignorant dumbass and do nothing about it. And assuming it doesn't need stitches and you're going to bleed to death and you need some assistance. But if you just cut and graze yourself, it starts healing. It, your body doesn't know how to do anything else but that and try and protect itself. So, you know, the first thing we do when we do a case history is we're looking at where did poisons or the lack of nutrition and nowadays EMFs and the wrong light start to come into your life. And at what point did your body have its first attempt to try and remedy that? And that's normally illness. And you normally go to a GP, a general poisoner, and they get it wrong and go, oh, you've got this. And they give you a drug to suppress it or what have you. And you stop the cleansing. And so you start going through their life and you see, for example, in the beginning, they had lots of sore throats or ear infections or UTIs or skin, as I did, eczema, you know, and, and what have you. You start getting potions or drugs or whatever, and then you kind of grow out of it. You keep going along, and until some point, if you suppress it frequently enough, it will stop, and you then manifest a very serious condition, whether it have the big C uh, at the front of that word or, or, or a so-called autoimmune. There is no such thing as autoimmune conditions. The body does not attack itself. It attacks foreign particles and heavy metals and mercury and chemicals and pesticides and uh, halides like bromine. Yes, it attacks. It does not attack itself. Therefore, there is no autoimmune. And yet 80%, I think, of the problems we're really dealing with is chronic illness and autoimmune. So when you start explaining to people you're not sick, you're toxic, let's have a look at what you've been doing, ingesting, breathing, whatever, the fear starts to go i haven't got whatever labeled i have got mercury poisoning or halide you know i swam every day in a swimming pool and that's what i've really got i've got chlorine on and on we go right 
Then we look at the nutrition and whether people like it or not. And you want to get into a quick fight with someone, try and talk about food. But when you look at where we've come from, we were hunters and gatherers. We are, our bodies are designed to eat meat. And I know there'll be vegans and fruitarians watching and go, that's nonsense, or we no longer need to. Good luck. I have the vegans and fruitarians coming to me who are very sick that did it properly, right? You are designed uh, to eat meat and fatty meat, and that's why it's been demonized, and that's why the World Economic Forum and the Lancet and every government has signed up to turn you into a plant-based diet because the government lies about everything but food, right? <laughs> you know, and so when you start look, when you know, when you start, he said, "I'm glad you laugh because that's the way we like to work." Yeah. The red pill revolution was in a in a un sort of this is how it is. We just started to break down the basic pillars of the lies so that you can see how it all works together. So you're in a better frame to ask better questions. And so, in answer to your question Stephen yes you know you should certainly start to understand how your body works with the moon and the seasons and therefore welcome if you get a big cold or a big flu and rather than suppressing it do everything possible to release it Graham I think you want yeah, to say well, something I, you. yeah I want to say that um, we're not really big fans of forcing a detox on the body you in your mind are not powerful and clever enough to know when it's the right time. Your body will know. So what you do, the first thing you do is you stop. If, if you're detox, if you want to detox, that means you're admitting that there must have been toxins going in. So the first thing to do is to stop ingesting the toxins. So you get rid of the source of the toxins. And then very often when you do that, your body because if if there's some toxin coming into your body uh and your body can't immediately get rid of it it will store it somewhere so it will hide it in the joints in the tissues in the fat wherever it, it, it's appropriate and at some point the body will release it but if there's a constant stream of toxins coming in it's it's almost like it's a one-way system so you can't be detoxing and intoxicating yourself at the same time so you need to have a period where there are no toxins coming in to allow the body to make that decision to go into a detox so we don't really promote the idea of go and detox we promote the idea of stop ingesting the toxins examine what you've done throughout your life and where things start to go off the rails get the light cycles and the sleep cycles right get the food right and you may have to go you may have to if, if you are genuinely really quite unwell you may have to go back to very very strict sort of uh one meal a day only fatty meat as, as the most healing um stable diet to get you back on track and then you focus on the roots of, of elimination the liver the lymph um the skin the lungs and so once you've prepared your body your body will know when is when it has enough energy and power and sufficient routes of elimination to start to shift things 
and you know some people can do it on their own some people do it as a part of our membership and we you know we're there to support them during that and they ask questions here and there and some people who've got you know a lifetime of shit built up and you know emotional trauma is another one that's built up in people that can also you know does also need to be released and which is something that's very much an area of expertise with, with jeremy so with our membership site we can we can help people we can help the majority of people within 90 days but within that there'll be some people who need longer and there'll be some people who need more hand-holding and there'll be some people who need one-on-ones with someone like jeremy because he's got the experience of 30 years of dealing with this stuff because the body can do some strange things and if you're not if you're not a good reader of or if, you, if you're not an, a skilled practitioner in reading signals from the body you can get very frightened and so that's where yeah sometimes jeremy's work is essential in 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 guiding people through you know don't worry trust your body however i understand you might be frightened because you've just got a massive swelling on your neck or yeah because some very very strange things can happen when the body decides to uh to shift things could i just chip in for a minute jeremy it's only because just something important you mentioned there was about the emotional body and i just wanted to get this in about during this period we've talked about to me when the sort of world came to a bit of a standstill one thing that seemed to just be very obvious was the amount of people with anxiety stress depression fatigue all these labels and I quite agree with what Jeremy said earlier. You know, once they get that label off the doctor, sometimes they can become it as well. So as we're talking here, what advisement would you have for those people out there that are that are finding themselves stuck in the rut with these 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 labels and what they're feeling emotionally? Well, you know, other than physical trauma, I would say all dis-ease starts and is healed at the mental emotional level it, you you'll usually see someone's health change within a year or two after a great shock of trauma or divorce someone being unfaithful you know losing a job a death something like that um so it's very very important but what i would say to those in answer to your question is they really need to get the fundamentals right you know we we promote um basically going back to to ancestral knowledge where we were meant to be outside we are meant to be earthed and connected you are meant to eat your species specific diet and we can argue till the end of time what that is but in our experience when people go to at least and, and a diet is part of a protocol it's important but it's part but when people go to at least a, a, a meat-centric, ketogenic diet, their health starts to change. When they go to a full carnivore diet, just miracles happen uh, much, much more quickly. The Maasai, for example, in Africa, the other African tribes bring their sick to the Maasai, and the Maasai uh, are, are, are strict carnivores. But anyway, um, once you need to get the fundamentals of how you've been designed to function in this realm right first and when you start to get those right everything starts to change when i have the the vegans and fruitarians come to me and i've had many of them many of them militant 
know, um, you know, they're normally mentally, emotionally very ill, you know, and so we start putting everything right. We start re- if like re-educating or getting to question, think. And once they start getting the diet and the light right, their mental and emotional body starts to heal. You know, I we just had a, a conversation, or I did because Norbs couldn't make it on that day, with a fascinating Australian psychologist uh, that had been working with the Aboriginal. I've worked with the Aboriginal and the Māori and uh, North American Indians, but <clears throat> they uh, uh, he'd been working with the Aboriginal elders. And if you don't know it, the Māori and the Aboriginals have been decimated. There's a lot of mental illness, a lot of drugs, a lot of terrible shit going on. And um, anyway, he worked with the elders because it's a huge problem. And they basically came up with the elders with two things. One, do not go into the system and get diagnosed because they see the elders of the Aborigines, see the system as not a real world. Like we're trying to explain, it's, it's not true. It's, it's all fake. But they don't want a diagnosis and they don't want them in that system and getting sucked into that drugs and all right. So number one, don't go and get a diagnosis. Number two, go walk about with the elders for at least three days. And so they'd go, these completely mad people in many cases would go barefoot, walk about. And by the second day, we were told, they would start to come back into being not necessarily healed, but critical thinking. Oh my God, we know. And by the third day, they were very calm, able to start discussing their problems. And literally within weeks, they would be back as a positive member of the Aboriginal community or society just by walking outside in nature. So we have to bring this. Anyone listening who's suffered and you know been estranged from their family or their positive, whatever it is, you need to get back to basics, right? And you need to understand what those basics are, especially if it challenges you right now. And that's what we do in our membership site. And and as Graham will tell you, you know, it's it's just phenomenal the changes uh, uh, that we see. And I, I was very worried about doing a membership site. Because I work one to one, I thought I was just going to have you know nine hundred mental patients on on my, on a membership site as as it starts to release. But the opposite has happened. What is happening? Yes, there's been deep, deep emotional releases from many people, but the community, like you, you, we've all experienced similar things. They're normally quite awake people. Just started to come together online, albeit, um, and and help and support each other. What's more natural and normal than that? right absolutely and um it sort of almost takes me back to the the weekend we experienced at the men's gather event uh, and just being sat around a fire and 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 men of all ages just sharing and i find that's a big separation that's happened as well trying to separate old and young and and we've all got something to learn from each other uh, you know there's very there's young people there there was some elders there and everybody was sharing and it, and it was wonderful people were crying people were laughing and i feel that's what we need to come back to as a as a community it's good for the soul it really is well it's it's more than good for the soul it's it's you know i said before we can say what's normal what's natural it it is how we were designed we're designed for about 120 150 faces uh, and then once a village got bigger than that, it fractured and went off a, a, as another village. 
So you truly knew people. You knew how they ticked. You knew who was good at this and good at that. I think Graham wanted to say something, so I, I don't want to interrupt him. I, well, not particularly. Um, but I think it's a good point that the, the, the 150 faces. It's not that um, it's not that we can't cope with any more, but uh, psychopaths exist. They are a real thing. Um, throughout history, there's a, a long history of, of psychopaths. And they're a very, very small percentage of the population. And so within um, a community of 100 or 150, you might have one or two psychopaths. But you knew who they were. They were identified at a very young age. They might be children that like to sort of harm animals or just something that wasn't or, or they weren't willing to sort of help other people. They, they'd show some traits of psychopathy and there would be some attempt made by the elders to try and rectify the situation and if that wasn't possible they would be expelled or killed so we used to have a good control over psychopaths but as we got into bigger and bigger settlements um that allowed for psychopaths to be able to hide and go unnoticed and ultimately rise to the top of all our institutions. And we genuinely have a world now that all the major institutions are run by people who would previously have been expelled or killed. And I think that's a very, very important point because we used to have a natural control on this. It's not something, you know, it, it seems to be something that occurs naturally. Uh, and we have to have a natural way of controlling it. And we lost that ability. And we now no longer consider psychopaths as a threat because they're all hiding. And they're all in positions of incredible power and influence. If you think about the things that have been foisted on the world in the last few years, only a psychopath could do those things. And the world would be a much better place without psychopaths. It's true. It's, it's what we put in the book. Rather than going down, you know, any any dark rabbit holes of, you know, are they even human, uh, you know, and, and all those places that many people have ventured, 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 we decided to describe them by their actions, and their actions are psychopathic. And what Graham says is right. You know, I've traveled the world. I've lived in six countries. I've worked with all kinds of people. And people are good. You know, predominantly, people are good. They want families. They want to be fed. They want a home. They want to work. They want to socialize. That's why different foods and music has come about from that and art and what have you. And, and they want to be left alone. You know, everywhere I've been, want to be left alone. But they're good. We know how to screw people up. Um, and, and COVID was a perfect example of that. We, we know how to create criminals. You know, you fracture the family and have one parent families in poverty and then put drugs in the area, you know, and, and you're going to have criminality, you know. So, but we also know how to fix these things. And we know that family uh, is at the absolute core of a healthy community and a healthy society. And, and our ancestors, pretty much you know worked out 
you know, what was right to bring up a healthy family and a healthy community. And that's what's been under attack. And if we look at now, we are so fractured. Family is so fractured. Shit, we don't even know what gender uh, we are. You know, uh, it, it is unbelievable when you when you look at it from a perspective of 100, 200 years ago and the uh, level of pressure placed upon us from external sources to accept that as normal. And, and it just, no, it isn't. So whatever subject we take, health, government, you know, um, law, whatever it is, we've got to bring it back down to grassroot levels of who does it serve? And if it doesn't serve us and, and allowing us to freely operate with responsibility, and that's why I love common law, by the way. Common law, quite simply, is do as you please, as long as you don't harm anyone and have uh, you know, mutual consent in your agreement. So you can go and do whatever you want you know, in, your, in your private property, as long as it's consensual, go and do whatever you want, as long as it's not manipulated consent. And if you harm someone, was it deliberate or accidental and there's different remedies? That works, right? So everything we're talking about and everything we're trying to bring back, you know, is common sense, which is hardly ever common now. A lot of things need to change, though, don't they? Unfortunately, there is, you know, listening to both of you, it seems that, you know, on every level, the systems are rigged. They're, they're, it's not there to serve the human spirit. It's It's there to keep us divided. And I think we need more people to, I think... I mean, you mentioned it, the men's gather, didn't you, both of you? I don't know who said it. You know, there's enough people now that are have become aware, that are questioning, and it's now time to to change. It's now time to rebuild. I mean, what's the solution? What's the future then? What do you both think? You know, people listening to the podcast, we know what's happening. We know these systems are rigged. What can the ordinary person do? And what's the future? What does the future look for the both of you? Is there hope? There's a tremendous amount of hope. Because can you imagine if we were in the, 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 the if we had the same thing, same situation today, but we hadn't had a big wake-up call? I mean, we've just had the most obvious, scandalous, fraudulent, pretend pandemic deliberately imposed across the entire world in every country pretty much um orchestrated so we've now we have now got uh, um everybody's had a, a tap on the shoulder everyone's gone yeah wake the fuck up you know so we've got this the people in charge are desperate and i mean desperate they are absolutely desperate to cling on to their power and control and their wealth. And they're going insane with their plans. And the more insane they go and the more desperate they become to hang on, and they desperately want us to remain in the dark and be asleep, um, and they desperately want us to pay attention to them. And the more people that wake up to the system, there is a period where you get angry and, and, you know, you want to rail against the system. But there's really no point. 
it withers and dies. It depends. You know, they're puppeteers or they're using puppets to attract our attention. If they no longer have our attention, they have no power. And they become a puppeteer in a dark room in a corner that no one can see. And, yeah, they, they instantly have no audience. So they're only as powerful as the size of their audience. And once they lose the room, and I think they've lost the room, um, you know, we just get on with our own thing. But I like what Graham explained to me some time ago, and I, lo I love to use this. If you look at Convid um, and you had the, the normies or the sheeple, you know, and you have like so-called awake, and, and I don't, we don't really like that term because, you know, it can mean a number of things. But basically, you've seen through the, the major lies, right? What happened through Convid? Well, a lot more people than we've ever seen in history woke up. So this number comes down and this number goes up. Now, once you've woken up, it's impossible to go back on that side. You, you might wish you could because life has isolated you and, and changed, you know, very detrimentally socially and for you. But you can't go back, can you? It's impossible. Then you have those that took the so-called vaccine, right, which it isn't, right? And we know and we warned it's a Russian roulette. They're not all the same, but the ones that are effective, people died immediately. We're now having in England, we haven't seen this since World War II, this level of excess death. So there is more people dying, right? We know, so these numbers come down, these numbers continue to go up. You also have people, you know, when COVID first started in this community, I saw people nearly wanting to lynch Graham for his uh, comments. But now, they're coming up to and going, you know, Graham, I want to talk to you. You were right. So these people that maybe got a couple of vaccines and have been damaged or no, one of his friends has said to him, his 50s fed up of going to 50-year-old funerals. So they're now talking. So this number is constantly coming down. This number is constantly going up. It has to be in our favor. And you don't need the whole population. There's a degree of the population that will always follow. And that's okay as long as the ones they're following are preaching, think for yourself. Here is the common guidelines. Here are the systems that you can work within. But we're not. We've got psychopaths going. I remember listening to, um, what was the name? Adan, is it? The New Zealand Prime Minister. I forget. Adan. Literally saying, we are your only source of information. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd go through a time where someone would have the arrogance or, or uh, believe the protection to say such things, you know? So I think, not only do I think, I'm extremely confident that humanity is winning, and I'm extremely confident that people know what is right and wrong, and I'm extremely confident that we will build back better, but without them, and that them is the psychopaths. And we will build back better. We'll build back communities, and we'll, do, you know, when humans are unleashed, the engineering and technology and creativity, and I can't wait for it. And I'm told astrologically it's a done deal. You know, astrologically, way, this the, empire of lies will fall. In a way, the world is, is undergoing a detox. Um, and so we have to go through uh, some unpleasant symptoms, which is what we're living in the last few years. And some people won't make it, which is sad. Um but we are ridding the world of a toxin, yeah. and it's a process.
and when we come out the other side we will be in tip-top shape and it will all be great it's a very auspicious time to be alive for sure um i've enjoyed this chat with you both so much jeremy and graham i feel like i could speak to you i could ask questions for another three hours but we're bound by time we'd love to do it again and the one thing i'd love you to share is if those listening or watching they say i'm really resonating with these guys i'd like to know some more if you could just share about your membership or we will share links below anywhere you're listening to this if you want to connect with jeremy or graham but if you could just share a little bit about that yeah, well, Graham and I, our main work is at literally jeremyairs.com. So my name on the screen there, jeremyairs.com. And you'll see a 90-day challenge. That's what I recommend uh, everyone to come on and go through that for 90 days. And you, um, we've just recorded, um, I, I think we're up to about 38, 30-minute vlogs. And these vlogs, we go walking in the Lake District, and they're hilariously funny. They're poignant. They're factual. You know, they're great. And people... They become epics. They really have. And then once a week, and we've got about 40 of those, we do on a Sunday a live Q&A for 90 minutes like we did at the men's gathering. And people can ask us anything they want. And it's, it's, I think you'll agree, it's, it's hugely entertaining and interesting. Um, so that's jeremyairs.com. Um, we also have a forum on Discord, which is actually a, a gaming platform, but it works really well as, as a forum. So the community are really talking to each other. And they're now having live video conferences and connecting in real. So it's really beautiful what's happening. So just to be, be clear, because Jeremy's very good at what he does, but he's sometimes not good at explaining how brilliant it actually is. The 90-day um, protocol is designed for anybody. It's basically anybody who finds themselves, uh, who they know they're unwell, they think they should feel better, uh they want to do something that will improve their performance whatever it happens to be it's a it's basically a, a, a distillation of 30 years of jeremy's work and experience into a workable protocol that you can follow for 90 days and within 30 days you will know that you're making progress and within 90 days the majority of people will have will feel much, much better and might decide to continue for a few more weeks or months. And people who are genuinely very sick or just a little bit slack at following protocols might need more than the 90 days, six months to a year if, you, if you're really quite sick. Um, but what we found is that people sign up. The information is a bit overwhelming because it's 30 years of work distilled into a, a workable document and it's a one-size-fits-all approach whereas Jeremy normally works one-to-one -one. and so there's a lot to take in and there's a lot to unlearn because it's not what we've all been taught it's quite different um, and then there's the actual getting down and doing it and adapting and your body gets has to adapt to the different changes but that's where the, the, the Discord community comes in, because there you've got people who've been on the protocol for several months, maybe even some over a year, and they just enjoy it. They enjoy the way they now feel, and they're in there helping and supporting others. So the newcomers come along and go, oh, my God, I can't live without this, or how do you adapt to this, and where do you get this from? And so there's this tremendously helpful um, community where people are, 
all different levels of support just practicality in terms of where do i buy this product uh or i'm getting these emotional feelings coming up because of it's releasing some trauma i believe it's childhood trauma and i think it might be related to a detox and there'll be someone who go oh i had that let's have a little chat in a room and so it's it's a tremendous thing to watch it's really yeah. really very good and jeremy undersells it because it's uh it's his work yes well well thank he's right but you know there's testimonials on there and 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 you know even when graham first met me and i had my other website he thought he thought i must be a con artist because the the testimonials can't be that good no one can be that good but they're all real and a lot of those people are are, are in and on the course and just go and read some of the testimonials but it's not only an opportunity for people to get a, a tremendous amount of support and improve their life or, or even heal where possible their conditions but you know it's people just love the not like like you guys right and it's a great compliment and we, and we accept it thank you most people want to speak to us a lot and that's why we do the live q a's and you know we're very active in the forum and you know and we have this great connection with because it's about reconnecting with people right and and that's the power of it uh, absolutely and it's been an absolute pleasure connecting with you both and uh i know so many people are going to really resonate with what we spoke about i know there's a there's a lot more to go at but we'd love to um do another one somewhere down the road absolutely sure. um but i just want to thank you both and for the great work you're doing keep up the good work absolutely and um thank you for sharing your time with us on this episode as well and I uh, just want to thank everybody who's listened along and supported this podcast. And I uh, just want to say goodbye for now until we speak again, friends. And don't forget to check out the Red Pill Revolution book as well. I'm just at the beginning of it, but very excited to, to read that. So for now, friends, we're going to say goodbye.